Did you ever play the over-under game with your friends? You know, think I could eat that slice of pizza in under 30 seconds? I know I did. If you have, then you're going to love Pick 6, the new fantasy game from DraftKings, an official partner of the NBA. Download the new DraftKings Pick 6 app now and use code DKHOOPS for a shot at huge cash prizes. That's code DKHOOPS only on DraftKings Pick 6. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 18 plus in most eligible states. Age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. Pick 6 not available in all states, including, but not limited to, Connecticut and New York. For up-to-date list of states, visit dkng.co slash pick6states. Void where prohibited. See terms at pick6.draftkings.com slash promos. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Welcome back. I'm Israel Gutierrez, uh, host of Four Years of Heat. If you haven't listened to it yet, you're missing out. It takes you through the uh, 2010 to 2014 Miami Heat. Obviously, LeBron was on that team, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh. And um, this guy right here was close. He was almost on that team. Uh, Chris Quinn is future head coach is what I like to call him, but he's currently an assistant head coach with the Miami Heat. Played with the Heat uh, from 08 to 10, or was it 7? 6 to 10. 6 to 10, excuse me, 6 to 10. And then... um, Played for some other teams and then eventually became a, a coach here. But I wanted to take you back to your playing days because you were a Notre Dame guard, um, all Big East first team your senior season. Um, you were actually one of the undrafted Miami Heat stories, right? Talk to me about how you ended up with Miami and just your experience there playing alongside Dwayne. Yeah, so it was, it's interesting. I was just thinking about it. it was 17 years ago now, you know, that I was here in summer league trying to earn a spot. Uh, basically, I went undrafted in the 2006 NBA draft. My agent called right after the draft. The Miami Heat they were coming off the 06 championship. Yep. They had most of their team back, and uh, they had a couple spots that you know towards the end of the roster uh, that were open, and they wanted a, a couple young guys. Uh, of course, you know they had no draft picks that year, so there was no other guys uh, drafted ahead of me. Right. For the Heat, there was a few of us that they signed right away, basically on a summer league training camp type deals, uh, so that we could go in there, compete, battle it out, um, and eventually, you know, try to try to make make the main roster. Um, you know, I was lucky enough. You know, my my rookie year was obviously Dwayne in his prime. Uh, Shaq was still there. Zoe was still there. Gary Payton, Jay Will. Uh, it was it was the star-studded 06 team. Right. 
Um, so it was an incredible experience uh, getting to know those guys, uh, being in the locker room with those type of Hall of Fame uh, guys. Um, and, and obviously you mentioned Dwayne. Uh, you know, those years I was there, that, that was his prime. Uh, you know, he got injured the one year, then came back and led right. the league in scoring. Uh, but just what, what a special player that, that always rose, you know, to the occasion in the biggest moments. I, I want to go back to the, the year, the, the injury-prone year, the year that they basically didn't win a whole lot of games and they were just giving a lot of people some time. But you had some great moments in that year. Uh, any sort of memorable standout moments? Because there was one play, I want to say it was against the Phoenix Suns. It was just like a fast break. I think it was an and one. And I think you even shocked yourself with the finish. And I'm just like, I love seeing that from players who are in the league and maybe are surprising themselves. Like, what were some of the highlights from your, your stint there? Yeah, it was one of those games where the uh, we were down, I think, 15 or 20. And they, they put in the, the second unit right. for uh, the fourth quarter. And then we made a big run. Uh, cut their lead, I think, eventually to two or three. Uh, but it was the, the shot. Someone actually asked me about it yesterday and was wondering if uh, it was a trivia question if I knew who fouled me when, uh -huh. I, when I made that, that shot. But I actually don't remember. Um, but I, I do remember the moment. Uh, I kind of just threw it up and it went in. Um, but it, it was a, a lot of fun moments, you know, a lot of moments behind the scenes of hard work. Uh, obviously, my first two years, I played for Coach Riley, yeah. um, which was a amazing experience and then my last two years basically a year and a half was was under Spo, uh, played for Spo's that was his first two years I actually joke with Spo all the time that in, in 2010 that he traded me <laughs> uh, away from the Miami Heat right um you know obviously the next summer is when they when they got the right the, the big three what was that like when you you're you traded away and then all of a sudden you turn around and be like oh no LeBron just signed with the Heat what just happened yeah <laughs> yeah it was, it was a bittersweet moment but you know, I, I joke with Spo. He says at that time he didn't ha he didn't have a lot of pull, but I joke with him that he traded me away, um, and it, it was just you know I was happy you know for the organization uh, created a lot of great relationships. Uh, fortunately, those relationships eventually led me back uh, as a coach, and obviously Spo as a young coach uh, being put in that position and then and then doing so well with it was, was super cool to see. Yeah, I was going to say what you saw, what you experienced from Spo. He's clearly a different coach than he was, than he is now uh, back then. But what did you see from him in those first couple of years that made you think, hey, this guy's got something? Yeah, as always, it was, it was the same uh, concepts. It was his work ethic. Um, he, he had a ton of grit as a head coach. Uh, he was always trying to look for ways to improve, get better. Uh, how can I be better as a coach? How can I how better serve our players? Um, and, and he would always look at himself first. Uh, after a, a bad loss, after a win, he was always looking in the mirror. How could he do better? How could he help the team more? Uh, those are the things that have led him to become, you know, obviously one of the one of the best right now. Now, after you left the Heat, you had some stints with some other teams. You played in Russia. You played in Cleveland also. Talk to me about how you got back to Miami. What was the path to get you into coaching? Yeah, so my fifth year, I played in San Antonio with the Spurs, uh, which was super cool. Obviously, you know, I went from Pat Riley, Eric Spolster to Greg Popovich. It's three of the top, you know, they just did the top 15 list right. of all time. These are, the, these are three of the, the, the greatest of all time. Uh, so I got to learn from, the, from them, you know, basketball 101 uh, from three of the greatest minds. Uh, my sixth year uh, playing professionally was the lockout year. Right. And, uh, you know, my agent called in... in the middle of the summer basically said hey i have a deal for you in russia uh, at that time you know there was a lot of discussion if the season was even going to start yep. um you know what, what did that look like i think it eventually started around christmas, christmas. yeah right um 
And then, the, you know, basically at that point, I was like not guaranteed to be on an NBA roster. I, I was still fighting my way, you know, e even after my fifth year. Um, and I got a, you know, a good deal to go to Russia with my wife, uh, my newborn son, who's 12 now. Uh, we, we took off, went to Russia, uh, played a season there for, for Kimki Moscow. Um, and it was an incredible life experience. Really? Yeah. I mean, there was, there was good days and bad days, but uh, for my wife and I, you know, we still look back, talk about, you know, the different experiences we had. Um, what were some of the good days? Like, what, what do you remember? So, so the, the thing I remember the most is that our team won the Euro Cup, which was a, a big event there. Um, and it was just like uh, towards the end of the season, it was a culmination of a lot of hard work, a lot of, uh, you know, good days, bad days. And then I just remember my teammates. So basically our team was c consisted of six Russian players and six, you know, foreign players, non-Russians. Non uh, so there was a couple of, of, of Americans. We had um, an Australian. We had uh, a couple of Croatians. And I just remember hanging out with them and, and getting to know the, the different cultures. Uh, you know, we would, we would hang out all the time. Um, you know, go get coffee is like a way of life over there. Yeah. Um, but it was just super cool to, to get to know, uh, know, know a, whole, a whole different way. All right, so you got to Miami as an assistant coach. Um, when Jimmy Butler got there, um, talk to me about sort of the, the fit that he was with the Heat and how he maybe he even elevated that just sort of on-court competitiveness that the Heat just so loves to, uh, you know, say that they're, they're very good at. All right. <laughs> yeah, so Jimmy was just like a, like a perfect match for, for, you know, for the Miami Heat. Uh, he came in. He 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 does it all. He works super hard. Uh, he, he's a he's a great leader in the locker room. Um, and, and you know the one thing you know a lot of us in in the Heat culture have in common is is that we're super competitive. And you know, for for better or worse, if if things aren't going, you know, the way we all think they they are uh, should be going, we 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 have a a level of accountability. We we talk to each other. Uh, we preach eye to eye communication. Um, you know all these things that you know Jimmy stands for as well. Um, obviously, there's moments where, you know, he gets frustrated if we're not winning, but, you know, that w we all kind of feel like that. And it was just a good match. Um, and obviously, you know, now he's, you know, taking us, you know, to multiple uh, finals, you know, multiple conference finals. Um, and I think it's just been a, a great match for, for the Heat and Jimmy and, and uh, working together, you know, towards a, a common goal. You guys had such a, a great run through 2020, through the bubble, and... You know, the couple of years after that, the first round against Milwaukee and then the game seven against Boston. But this past year, during the regular season, what, because Spo says we were close all regular season, but from the outside looking in, you might not see that, right? So talk to me about what was just off during the regular season enough to make the record be what it was. Yeah, I think it was a combination of things. Um, Obviously, uh, availability injuries uh, are, are a part of it, but also like we, we would have we would have great wins and we would have bad losses. Right. And you know sometimes against some of the better teams we'd play better, and against some of the other teams we, you know, we wouldn't play as well. Um, that's a consistency you just don't expect, or an inconsistency you don't expect. From yeah, it was like a roller coaster of a, of a season, regular season, um, and, and we just we kept grinding through it. We we, we stuck together. Uh, there was definitely days where we all felt like we we weren't. You know, we weren't any good. We didn't perform the way we wanted to perform. Um, for a team, I, sorry to interrupt, but for a team that's been together for a few years, when you're at that point where it's just like, what's happening? We can't figure it out. Like, what do you do to do that? What do you do to just say, look, trust me, it's going to be okay? Yeah, I think you have to maintain optimism, but then also, like, address the issues at the same time. 
uh, we, we had, you know, we, we, we checked every box. Like, well, there was meetings, there was team meetings, film sessions, practices, um, whatever it took to just keep grinding through. Uh, while maintaining a, a optimism and a belief that we were going to figure it out. Right. Um, the good thing is we had super high character guys in our locker room, and you know that belief started with them. Um, a lot of them, you know, felt the way we felt. If we can, if we can get it right, if we can click at the right moment, you know, we can we can make something special happen. Um, and, and I think you know you, you talked about Jimmy. A lot of that even started with him and, and his belief. Um, you know, he thinks when he goes on the court, he's the best player, regardless who else is on the court. Yeah. And, you know, uh, we, we all felt that same way. Did you ever play the over-under game with your friends? You know, think I could eat that slice of pizza in under 30 seconds? I know I did. If you have, then you're going to love Pick 6, the new fantasy game from DraftKings, an official partner of the NBA. Here's how to play during the NBA playoffs. Pick between two and six players and choose if they'll have more or less of his stat. Rebounds, points, assists, and more. Download the new DraftKings Pick 6 app now and use code DKHOOPS for a shot at huge cash prizes. That's code DKHOOPS only on DraftKings Pick 6. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 18 plus in most eligible states. Age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. Pick six not available in all states, including, but not limited to, Connecticut and New York. For up-to-date list of states, visit dkng.co slash pick six states. Void where prohibited. See terms at picksix.draftkings.com slash promos. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, 
Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I wanted to ask you about Udonis Haslam, and obviously retiring, but how much of a role did he have in just maintaining everybody because he'd been doing it for so long? Yeah, he had a huge role. Um, and obviously transitioning uh, to whatever he's going to do next, he's going to have a huge role uh, as well. Um, but he was always the first one speaking, the first one reminding guys when they needed to do, do better, but also encouraging guys you know, that we were really close. Um, and, you know, you know, right away, UD, he's got, he's got that credibility right away. Uh, he can tell anybody anything, and then they're going to respect what he has to say. Um, and then I think it was a great moment that uh, that last game that, you know, he played and he played so well. So good. And uh, guys were basically like, oh, man, he's, he's still got it. He can do it if, if, if he needs to do it. Uh, so that was a cool kind of, you know, uh, springboard into the playoffs. And then obviously the playing games were, were, were still a challenge for us. We had to grind through those. Uh, and then we just kept, uh, kept grinding through it, you know, day by day, you know, little by little. You know, I think uh, Spo mentioned in the playoffs there's be- beauty in the struggle. Yes. Um, and really, that's kind of kind of how we all approached it. Yes, yeah, Bo. Uh, if people actually listen to what he says and not just like think it's coach talk, they'll actually understand. I mean, it's it, there's meaning to what he's saying. It's not just coach speak and not just trying to get people, you know, out of out of the media room there. But um, I wanted to just go to that first round of the playoffs. So, what was was the play-in loss to Atlanta? Was that the lowest point of the season? Because everybody else from the outside looking in thought, oh, okay, they'll just get it right at the end, win that playoff, it'll be all good. Yeah, so coming in the locker room after that game was, was very discouraging. Uh, we had been beaten and been beaten handily by Atlanta. Um, and basically we you know, had a, a, a day and a half to figure out, like, you know, we got to get ready for Chicago now, uh, and we got to figure out how we're going to just get one win. Um, and the good thing, going back to, you know, the, the character of the guys in that locker room, the, those guys wanted to win. And they, they wanted to, to keep playing. They wanted to, to keep fighting together as a group. And uh, you could tell in the second half of that Chicago game that, that our guys were, were not going to quit and, and just keep battling. That guy from Max Struess. Yeah. Uh, so how is it that a team that just barely crawled into the playoffs, winning that Chicago game basically in the fourth quarter, has the type of confidence to go into Milwaukee and take game one. Like, what were the conversations like? What did Jimmy, Bam, or anybody do to make anybody feel that that could happen? Yeah, so it started with Jimmy and Bam. Obviously, they, they immediately instilled belief in, in everybody and, and the rest of the team. Uh, Jimmy was, like, extremely locked in at that point. Um, and, and, and we all could see it. We could sense it. Uh, we knew he was locked in. Um, and then we also knew, like, we had just had, like, two battle-tested playing games. You know, it was uh, uh, um, the Atlanta game and Chicago game really prepared us to win game one against Milwaukee. Right. They had, they had, had you know, a lot of time off at that point. Uh, we, we, we felt like we were just, you know, ready to, to go in there, and, and, and we really just focused on getting game one um, and seeing where that could get us. And, and you got game one. But you lost Tyler <laughs> with yeah. a broken hand. Like, it seemed like immediately the challenges were smacking you guys in the face, and it didn't seem like it was an issue. Um, t- 
take me to the 56-point game from Jimmy because throughout that first round, when people say playoff Jimmy, it's because he's taking shots he wasn't taking in the regular season, making shots he wasn't taking in the regular season, and it's just like a person you've just never seen before. So when you're watching that 56-point game, you're thinking what? I'm just watching, like, in amazement. Uh, that second half, you know, the shots he was hitting, um, you know, the, the skill that it required, but also just his will to win. Uh, it, it was it was insane, and, and all of us are just watching, taking it in. I, you know, uh, a lot of us kept the box score from that game. Really? You know, a lot of people are talking about it's one of the greatest performances, you know, in, in playoff history. And really, we're just watching with amazement uh, at the the amount of will uh, to win. And and those are shots, like you said, he's not taking as many of those in the regular season, um, but he has a, a a great feel for the game. He knows when he needs to score, when he needs to get his teammates involved. Uh, and he can control the game, you know, on both ends in so many ways. And, uh, I mean, I still think if Josh Hart doesn't slide under his ankle, it might be a different finish to the season. But uh, the, the next round, I think after the first two games, Bam got a lot of criticism, right? And one of the things that drives me nuts is when people criticize Bam for not being this refined offensive talent. If Bam had that refined offensive game, he'd be the best player in the league, right? Because he does everything else so well on the defensive end. So talk to me about Bam, what he means to the team, and where that like offensive complaint comes up empty. Yeah, so for us, like a lot of that other stuff that people say about Bam is just noise. We're constantly reminding him, you know, what he means to the team, how important he is on both ends. You know, arguably the best defender in the league. Uh, we ask him to do so much on that end of the floor. Uh, multiple coverages. He switches. He guards one through five. Uh, he's just as good at guarding a perimeter as he is a big. Um, and then offensively, we, we play through him a lot. Even if he's right. not taking the shot, even if he's not being aggressive, we can always throw the ball to him. Um, and sometimes it's just to be a pressure release. Uh, but he's getting other guys involved and... You know, a lot of that is, is through our system uh, that we can we can we have the uh, you know option to play through him because of his skill level, yeah. um, and you know a lot of that means he's not always going to be scoring um, like maybe other people want him to do. But we all fully understand how important he is uh, to our team on, on both ends of the floor. Uh, and then I just want to take you to that uh, Celtics series uh, up 3-0 must feel great. The level of like ascending stress after loss one, loss two, and loss three. Like, what were those experiences like? And what was that space between games six and seven where Spo and Jimmy said, yeah, we're going to go win. But everybody else is like, eh, I don't know. Yeah, so um, as, as great as our, our run was in the playoff, after game six was a worse feeling than the feeling we had when we lost to Atlanta. Really? Um, you know, to lose in that fashion, point one on the clock, uh, on offensive tip and rebound, and then have to go to Boston uh, for game seven and, and pick, pick, it, pick up the, the crew, uh, rally the troops. Um, but right after the game, uh, Spo was saying that, Jimmy was saying that, and I think it really, it really made everyone else believe. Um, by the time we got uh, 24 hours later, I think everyone believed we were going to go in there um, and, and get that win. Um, but obviously, you know, being up 3-0 to, to tie it is, uh, it is, it was a lot of pressure. Um, 
at some point after the game, we all uh, congratulated Spo on, on not being the first coach to go up 3-0 <laughs> and then and then uh, right, and then lose the good. series. So you know, we definitely had that going for us as well. Yeah, uh, it must have been a great feeling. And just the last thing on Spo specifically, because he was obviously part of the podcast, and like that was where he grew, like as a coach. You know, uh, coaching LeBron and just learning, and just that desire to just not be the reason why the Heat lost. Now, in 2023, he's considered the best coach in the league. What makes him such a special coach? I think the fact that even though he's thought of that way, he still is the same guy. He's still, uh, after a, a regular season loss, is upset if we're not doing things the way he wants them done if, or, or the way we all want things done. He's still continuing to try to improve as a coach, as a leader. Um, and, and thats I, I don't think for him that's ever going to change. Um, and uh, obviously, he's matured a lot as a coach. He's learned a lot through experience. Uh, but he's still, to this day, trying to trying to figure out today how he can be better from yesterday and tomorrow be, be better than today. I used to say this when you were a player. I used to say, if you want to win, play Chris Quinn. And so now, if you're uh, hiring a coach, if you want to win, hire Chris Quinn. Guy's going to be really good. Chris, thank you so much thank for your you. time. I appreciate it, brother. Thank you very much. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one -on -one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.